Hey, this episode of the Adventist Millennial Podcast is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. What's the and more? Well, you'll have to go to their website to find out. Thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Ah, I'm back. I'm back. This is actually me here back in the States. Back on my regular schedule of procrastinating and not producing ahead of time. (laughs) Uh, Which is good news and bad news because the good news is this is really a fresh, hot off the press episode. The bad news is that I put it off and I always put it off and there's always a possibility that it won't get made and that there won't be an episode. So it's a double-edged sword. But welcome back, everyone. Today we're going to talk about a couple things. Um, first of all, I watched Bohemian Rhapsody on the plane home, and I'm going to tell you my thoughts on that. And then after that, I am going to ask the question, slavery or surrender? Are they different? Are they the same? Uh, who's wrong? And how am I right in this scenario? (laughs) Okay, so, I mean, what are we waiting for? Let's get to it. Okay, if you can tell me what this is from, I will send you a magnet. Boys, let's get to it, to it, to it, to it. Who said that? (laughs) Hint, it's from a Lonely Island song. Okay, let's go. Wait, 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 come back. Um, I forgot to plug everything where you can reach me if you want to complain about how shoddy the production of this <laughs> podcast is. You can send your complaints to me at adventsmillennial at gmail.com or on Instagram or Twitter at SDA Millennial. You can message me on Facebook, all of the above. Um, you can review this podcast on iTunes unless you're going to give it anything but five stars. In that case, please just keep going. What are you even doing here? (sighs) Okay, now for real, let's get to it. So, uh, I watched the movie Bohemian Rhapsody on the plane home, um, by the suggestion of one friend, shout out, you know who you are who would not stop talking about this movie. Um, Okay, first of all, let me just say, Freddie Mercury, despite his buck teeth, um, I think he was much better looking than Sid the Sloth Rami Malek, who played him in the movie. Um, Like, (laughs) I'm sorry, but this guy, even on Mr. Robot, I was like, who is this Sid the Sloth? Why are his eyes the way they are? Anyway, uh, I'm not here to rip him, but... uh, Also, another thing. Was it just me or did anyone else have trouble thinking literally anything about the gay villain guy? Except that's the dude from Downton Abbey, but with a gay mustache. (laughs) That's all I thought every time. I don't even know what he said or did. Every time he was on screen, I was just like, oh, the guy from Downton Abbey with a gay mustache. And that's all that I thought about. Uh, okay, but despite, uh, gay mustaches and walleye Sid the Sloths, um, I think Rami Malek did a good job. Is that how you say his name? I don't really know. I didn't bother looking it up. You know who I'm talking about. Sid the Sloth. Let's just call him. 
Um, he did a good job acting. <laughs> and who doesn't like Queen? I mean, a movie about Queen? That's gonna be fun. Uh, but I also think that the movie didn't maybe do Freddie Mercury justice. Like, they made him kind of, like, weird and kind of squirrely and, like, uh, just, I mean, he was a strange dude. He was a flamboyant dude, but I don't know. I feel like they played that up a little more. Okay, YouTube, of course, had to, Big Brother YouTube started sending me <laughs> interview videos of Freddie Mercury in my YouTube feed, of course, so... I watched a few of them, and I feel like Freddie Mercury in interviews was more charismatic and relatable than he was portrayed in the movie. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't born. I don't know him. I'm just saying. I don't know how accurate the movie is. Um, but the main thing I wanted to say about this is that I'm always fascinated by people who are just absolute creatives, like Freddie Mercury was. Like, you can't listen to Queen without recognizing that he was an extremely creative person, or see him performing. (laughs) Um, and I've said it before, but really, this is something that haunts me, and I'm saying it again because this is my podcast and I can. Um... I always wonder why, like, suffering and misery is synonymous with creativity. Like, okay, maybe not synonymous because you can suffer without being creative, but I don't think you can be creative without suffering. Like, that's true in his, that was true in the, in the story this movie told about him, (laughs) about, you know, the tragedy that was his life. Um, but this these things always seem to go together in the world that we live in and like my question the thing that just i can't understand or can't see is how these two things will be extricated how they'll be separated after this world is over after the great controversy like everything we know and understand about creativity here on earth (laughs) seems to go hand in hand with suffering um so will that be the case I mean, will we just not be creative anymore? Is there, like, I, I kind of have wondered if there's, like, this special pocket of the dimension that we're living in that we just really have trouble reaching or entering and somehow pain and suffering gets us there. Like, I don't know, pain and psychedelics are the two things that get us there. Some people might say prayer, too, but uh, I don't know, meditation. I don't know. Ah. Uh, But, like, creative people just fascinate me so much. The way that they think and work is just so mystical and, like, ethereal. Like, you can't, you can't calculate it or, like, capture it, really. Like, as someone, I've always seen myself as a little more logical and analytical, but with some intuition. And it's taken me a long time to realize, like, how much I actually rely on my intuition for my creative stuff. And, it's it's just such an intangible thing. It's difficult to understand, but it fascinates me. Anyway, I miss Queen, um, and I still miss Amy Winehouse, too. Like, I get sad every other month because she only made two albums. That has nothing to do with anything. Just speaking of artists that we miss. <laughs> um, she's another person, another creative with a tragic life. But if you want to hear a current cool, fun band that kind of has some queen-sounding influence, go listen to Jukebox the Ghost. 
uh the first song on their album off to the races is very like queeny sounding anyway it's fun okay so that's all about bohemian rhapsody (laughs) nobody probably cares but you know this is my show so deal with it now we're going to talk about guys i did something really stupid (laughs) and i hate to admit this but i did it and it was stupid I canceled my internet in a fit of rage. Like I just rage quit my inter- my ISP. Um because I'll tell you why. I refuse to bend over to the ISP monopoly and do not try to argue with me that it's not a monopoly because it is even though they take steps to make these regional agreements or whatever so that only one or two ISPs can compete in a certain geographical area which reduces competition. Anyway, do not get me started. It's a whole thing. But no, now I don't have internet because I got so mad that I canceled my internet service. Um, and it was really rash of me. <laughs> Which is something I want to do. Um, because I need internet <laughs> for a lot of things. Uh, but I was like, at the time, I was like, I'm going to be gone so much this summer. I'm not even going to be home. I have unlimited data on my cell phone plan, so I can just hotspot the internet when I need it. Um, (laughs) which is true. I, now here's the even worse part. (laughs) This has happened before. I rage quit my last ISP, um, and used my phone as a hotspot for like six months. So this is a mistake I've made in the past and here I'm making it again, but um <laughs> uh, Which by the way speaking of cell cell phone service ISPs has gotten better and cheaper because it's competitive um, I, Like I said, don't get me started on this uh, <laughs> because I The worst part is that I canceled my internet the day after I paid for it for the whole month and the reason was I saw my bill. They give you, you know how internet providers give you like this promotional rate for like a year so that you um, just forget about it and then it skyrockets after that year's over. Well, I looked at the bill and I was like, what the heck? It's twice as much as it usually is. So then I angrily got on the phone and said, I won't stand for this. And they're like, okay, we're cutting off your internet then if you don't want it. And I was like, yes, cut it off. I hate you. And they cut it off and I just paid it. So now I'm like, well, I could have at least waited until the last day of the billing cycle to cut it off <laughs> or at least until i'm about to leave again now i have two works two two weeks of stuff that i have to do on the internet and i'm tethering to a wi-fi hotspot with like one megabit per second down <laughs> anyway the point is um my uh, my uncontrollable anger aside uh this whole situation got me thinking <laughs> Um, like, is this just the way things are? You know how you can make the case that I just got unnecessarily upset because internet just costs what it costs and I should just be willing to pay that. Um, so is that just the way things are? Like, do you have to accept it and bend over and just pay if you want to have internet? Because that's the way it is. Um, like, but no, I, I don't think that's true because if ISPs can give you that promotional price for a year 
before they spike it on you, then clearly they don't actually need it to be double the cost, um, or they wouldn't be able to make ends meet. Like, they're doing it just because they can, just because they have a monopoly. It's completely arbitrary. This is the definition of arbitrary, and that's what makes me mad. Um, and the whole point, like, I know you guys don't give two craps about ISPs or my internet service, but the reason I'm telling you all of this is because I feel like sometimes this is how we paint God. Like, um, do we have to accept things and bend over because that's the way it is? Um, because God says that's the way it is. Is it arbitrary or is it reality? So, like, for example, <clears throat> my ISP analogy, if internet actually cost, you know, $55 a month and it was worth $55 a month and that was just the reality of the market price for it, I would be happy to pay that. My problem is when they give me a promotional price of $35 a month for a year and then spike it by, you know, spike it double after that just because there's no other ISP and they know that if I want internet, I have to get it from them. That's arbitrary. So it's not actually what it costs. And that's what <laughs> makes me so mad. So uh, let's say if, if it was $55, but the ISP had a lot of competition, it was making it as cheap as it possibly could, I would be willing to pay that. This is not the way that it is, though. Because it's arbitrary, because they're doing it because they can and not because that that's the reality it becomes coercion for me to pay it when I don't need to and that's why I'm unwilling to I'm willing to have no internet or use a hotspot <laughs> so that I won't be coerced and I think this is how we set up our idea of God most of the time that things don't really need to be the way they are. God just says that that's the way they are. And, and so we have to bend over to that because, well, he's God. He's the ISP with the monopoly. But that's not true. Um, you know, internet actually costs the price God puts on it. His love actually costs the price he puts on it. Nothing. A and if we don't want it, that's our prerogative. We can cancel it one day after we paid for it for the rest of the month like a moron. Um, but we have to stop. I think we have to stop sometimes and take time to differentiate between things that are arbitrary and things that are just the reality. So if we take the time to understand some of the things that God says as this is reality, um, this is the way it is because that's how the universe is created rather than this is the way it is just because I said so. Um, at first, it may seem like a, a subtle or minimal difference, but it's actually a really huge difference. And I think we just don't think about it often enough as to what things in our lives are reality and what things are just arbitrarily imposed on us. And I think because we don't take the time to differentiate between arbitrary and reality a lot of times, um, then we don't realize when we're being arbitrarily coerced. And so even if we don't know it consciously, subconsciously, uh, we don't like that. Humans don't like to be coerced. We have our free will and we like it. 
Um, and so constantly having things rammed down our throats arbitrarily wears us down, even if we don't realize exactly why. Um, and, and when you are not able to differentiate between what's arbitrary and what's reality, your frustration gets fuzzy between the two and you can't and you get angry and you tend to have this angry reaction to things that are reality um because you haven't separated those or you could just completely lose your will and bend over to everything either you're eternally mad at everything or you just submit to whatever (laughs) and the sad part is that in an effort to not feel pressed We trick ourselves into thinking that giving in to arbitrary things is actually a virtue. This is especially bad in religion. Like, this is my number one thing. This is, like, the reason I started this podcast. Bending over or becoming a slave becomes a virtue when instead of discriminating and deciding consciously for ourselves... Um, whether we want to accept something or not, whether it's a necessary thing, whether it's a reality, a real thing, or an arbitrary thing, um, instead of discriminating, we just, we just don't. (laughs) I'm so eloquent. Uh, so we were having a discussion about this in the Sabbath school that I was in last weekend, (laughs) and some may say that it got a little heated, it got a little contentious, uh, I maintain that it was just a friendly exchanging of ideas, and <laughs> even though, okay, this is a news flash in case you ever get into a discussion with me, I can come across as really aggressive in discussions, but it's not out of animosity, it's out of interest in the ideas, <laughs> like... Because we were actually discussing something real and interesting rather than, you know, your typical Sabbath school where everybody just repeats the Adventist talking points and, like, nods and says, oh, yes, yes, you know, (laughs) Um, it's rare that you actually have a a real discussion. So I was enjoying that, but, you know, it makes some people uncomfortable. Anyway, the concept of slavery came up in in the quarterly. Um, And the question was asked whether all of our Christian and Adventist rules and things like that make us slaves. Um, And of course, of course, the talking point, the can-by-rote answer that everyone gave um, was, no, of course we're not slaves, because nobody thinks they're a slave uh, in religion. Uh, You're not a slave if you do the arbitrary thing because you love Jesus. That's the answer that we always hear. We always hear this answer. Even though it's arbitrary, even though the thing that we're talking about is arbitrary and there's no reason to do it, um, we should still do it if we love Jesus. Therefore, we're not slaves. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, well, okay then, if you don't want to get raped, just enjoy it and it won't be rape anymore. How do you like that? <laughs> How does that sit with you? Um... Because that's the same concept. We don't like to think of God that way because we've uh, conditioned ourselves against it. Um, But it's the exact same thing. If God is forcing us to do things just to prove our loyalty to him, even though there's literally no reason to do those things, then what does that make God? You know, it makes him exactly that. It makes him a slave driver. Um, If if we have a, a loyalty test... Or an arbitrary, an arbitrary rule, the only thing that can happen from us obeying the arbitrary rule 
is for us to be worn down um, and to lose our autonomy. And that's not what God created us for. See the creatives discussion I was having earlier. Um, And everyone in this Sabbath school class, of course, tried to differentiate between slavery and surrender. You know, like if you love God and you choose to surrender, then it's not not slavery. Um, But to me, that's the exact definition of slavery. To be beaten down so much that you lose your ability um, or your autonomy and you just do whatever you're told. No internet company I refuse I refuse to bend over uh (laughs) this whole idea of surrender comes up a lot in um in Adventism um in Christianity I suppose but in Adventism specifically like that everything you have everything that you are you should just surrender to God and just give up your will just give up you know don't ask any questions all this stuff it's all about surrender and Look, I I do think that there's value in the idea that there are some things we should be willing to let go of to to check our pride in some cases, but the extent to which we take it, often the extent to which we take this surrender concept is that, no, we don't have any responsibility, we just surrender. No, we don't have any decisions to make, we just surrender. No, we don't have any reason to uh, to see if a a rule is actually worth obeying. We just surrender. Um, We don't have to, you know, think critically, just surrender. It's just surrender 24-7. And that hollows out your soul um and it puts it makes you it creates slaves and people who have become brainwashed people who have lost their ability to discriminate between arbitrary and reality like you become a Kimmy Schmidt living in a bunker who doesn't know (laughs) who's just been brainwashed (laughs) into you know believing all this stuff without having the ability to to see your hand in front of your face. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that was our argument in Sabbath school, which almost came to blows in some people's eyes, but I <laughs> I went easy on them. Let me tell you, I went pretty easy because I... Look, if you if you believe that to just surrender... If, if you believe that to just surrender is the correct thing to do um, and you're genuine in your heart, about it like the people in Sabbath school I believe were um and you haven't spent a lot of time to to think through the things the way that I have that I've struggled with because of my anti-authoritarian personality if you're okay with that um and if you're living your life to the to the best of your ability and loving people the best of your ability you know I'm not gonna go too hard on you you can believe that. It's not an answer that will satisfy me. Um, and I and I think there's still opportunity to grow past it. But, you know, there are worse things to believe than just surrender um, and follow God. I mean, even if you believe that the things God asks us to do are arbitrary, if you do them, probably your life will be better than if you don't do them. Because 
in reality, they are better, even if you don't understand that that's true and you just think it's arbitrary. You'll still reap the benefits. So I'm not going to hold that against anybody, and I'm not going to hold it against anybody for shrinking away from my uh, confrontational and aggressive uh, rhetorical style in the Sabbath school. <laughs> Especially in a Sabbath school with a lot of ESL people in it. <laughs> anyway, it, you know, if you want a good time, go to Sabbath school with me because I'll, <laughs> I'll bring these things up. So what do you guys think? I want to know what you guys think. Uh, is slavery and surrender the same thing? If you surrender, are you essentially a slave? Um, and to differentiate, as I said before... If you surrender to something arbitrary, does that make you a slave? I think yes. But if you surrender to something that's reality, does that also make you a slave or does that just make you prudent? <laughs> or if you resist something that is arbitrary, like you're the price of your internet, does that make you just obstinate? Or does it make you wise and you know, mature and uh, perceptive and all of these amazing things, even though you're still stuck with no internet. <laughs> the world is unfair. Um, and if anybody would like to subsidize my internet, here, no, this is the principle of the thing. Even if somebody wanted to in subsidize my internet, I still wouldn't buy it because that's not the point. The point was never the actual amount of money. I could pay 50 bucks for internet. You know, that's not going to run me into the ground, but the, the thing is the principle of the thing. These ISPs, man, don't get me started. Okay, guys, stop me. Somebody stop me. Let me know what you think. Send me your messages. Send me how contentious your Sabbath school class got on the topic of slavery. And we will reconvene here um, in the future to discuss how, oh, and hopefully I'll get, so I'm going to call back the ISP and be like, by the way, that was like unnecessarily salt in the wound to go ahead and cut off my internet today even though i had already paid for the whole month that was kind of rude anyway we'll see if i get it back at least till the end of the month if not you know screw them thanks for listening don't forget you can find me at adventistmillennial at gmail.com at sda millennial on instagram and twitter you can find me on facebook you can probably find me on the slack although i have to admit i'm sorry everyone who's in the slack um haven't been on there very much i just i have too many plates to juggle but i want to be on there um and if you send messages and stuff on there hopefully i'll get the notifications um and we can make it into a little community okay so see you guys next week have a great weekend